Welcome to the Life Point Louisville podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Sean McGill. For more information about this podcast and for other resources, visit lifepointlou.org. We're kicking off a brand new series called Vision Builders. Uh, over the last four weeks, we've been in a series called Awaken on the Holy Spirit. How many of you guys would say, and uh, it could be one or two of you, uh, but how many of you would say uh, this last series, Awaken, really just touched your life in a meaningful way? Just a show of hands. Man, that's so good. I hope you'll take this series, and I hope you don't just let what was taught to you be just a, a, a one-time thing, but you take that information you dig into it. You allow the Holy Spirit just to lead you and guide you and to be your very, 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 very best friend. And so anyway, so vision builders. Hey, how many of you guys have a vision for your life already for 2022? Anybody ready for 2022? You're like, I'm done with 2020. I'm definitely done with 2021. It was more of the same. And so bring on 2022. You already got a vision for your life. How many would say you're a goal taker? You've already started writing down goals. You're like, wait, it's not January 1st. You're not supposed to talk about it. That's because you should be proactive in your goal taking. I'm helping you out as your pastor. But uh, how many of you guys are journalers? You've journaled your goals already. All right. How many of you guys got an Excel sheet out? You Excel sheeted some of them. Come on. Where's all my CEOs at? You, you already got them on a spreadsheet, an Excel sheet. But I'm sure many of you guys are already thinking about what you want your life to look like next year, or what you feel like it should look like. If you're not already thinking about that, you should begin thinking about it now because January 1st is coming, and I hope at the end of 2022, you won't be the same person you are today. I hope at the end of this year, you're not the same person you were when you started this year, that every year you're getting a little bit better. Every year you're growing in your walk with God, you're growing in your relationships, you're growing in your marriage. Maybe next year you got a vision for your life to maybe lose 20 pounds, you should go get in the gym. Now you can beat the crowds a little bit. Maybe for you, you've got a vision to work on your finances or something. So you're going to invest in crypto. That's a bad idea. No, I don't know. Actually, Bitcoin, metaverse, all that good stuff. Anybody? No, no. Don't show your hands out there actually on that stuff. I don't even know if it's real. Are y'all here? Are you having fun? All right. All right. Good, good, good. Some of you are already thinking about your new job, thinking about Maybe a, a new hobby you want to start. Maybe you want to take up, you know, golf or um, I, I told Willie, I want to take up pickleball. He's a pickleballer. We have a guy in our church. He's like a pickleball champion. I said, you know what? I'd like to try that thing out. Me and my wife, we try it out together. So maybe for you, you're already thinking about some things for 2020. You got a vision for your life. And I hope all of you guys begin asking God for a vision for your life. But, you know, here's what I found when it comes to goal setting and getting vision uh, for our life is oftentimes the vision that we have uh, December 30th or January 1st, it's kind of short-lived. You've been there, right? You have a vision for your life. You start off January, you're hustling, you're in the gym, you're you know watching your pennies, you're saying, hey, I'm, I'm not doing Starbucks this year because if I don't get my $5 latte, you know, that's going to equal this amount of money and I'm going to you know, be able to have all my dreams answered, buy a new house and all that stuff. And so you start off January and you're doing really good. But then what happens? A couple of weeks go by, a couple of months goes by. For many of us, it's just a couple of days that go by. 
And the vision that you once had for your life now begins to fade and now begins to be pushed aside. And life happens and you think about all the stuff that you'd rather be doing. And so instead of the vision that you had to build your life, it fades. And I've heard one person say it this way when it comes to vision. Vision, well, it just leaks. In other words, you've got vision for your life, but then it just kind of leaks away. It just kind of runs out. And that is so true. Vision, if you're, you're not being careful when you think about it it, it, it can just leak in your life unless you actively begin to pursue it. And the reality is when it comes to vision, it can also leak in the church as well. And so as a pastor, several times throughout the year, I feel like I need to refocus the church on just why we're here. And so it's not because I don't think we're doing what we should be doing. It's just a recalibration. Every so often, we have to stand up here and say, okay, let me make sure that you know this is how we keep the main thing the main thing. We just get refocused on vision. Because the church, whether you know it or not, it isn't just a social gathering. While I hope it is a great social gathering. I hope you make some great friends here. I hope during the meet and greet, you met somebody and you're like, we should grab coffee. I hope it's a great social gathering. The church isn't just a country club. Well, I hope it meets some of your needs. All right. The church isn't a country club. What the church is, it's a hospital for the sick. It's a hospital for the broken. It's a place where we can come as believers and we can get encouraged and we can get built up and we can get developed. Why? For us? No, not just for us. So we can go out and fulfill the great commission of reaching a lost and a dying world. The church really is about it's about us building a home, a place where everyone is welcome. Those that are lost in our city are welcome. You're like, what do you mean lost? Well, those people that don't know God are far from God. Those people that are broken and hurting. And I love this time of year because it's such a great reminder as Christmas approaches us that Jesus really is the light of the world. And for God so loved us and for God so loved Louisville and this city and the state of the Kentucky and the state of Indiana and all of these surrounding regions around us that he sent his son Jesus who died on a cross for us. And Jesus was the one that would shine light. I love what Becca said a minute ago when she read the scripture in Luke. He would be the one that would shine light into dark situations. And that's what we want to be as a church. We want to be a church that's a beacon of hope, shining the light of Jesus to every hurting, broken, lost, confused, desperate person. And they're all around you. They're in your job. They're in your families. They're your friends. There's people that are close to all of us that are far from God. And so as a church, it's, it's why we exist. Not just a social gathering, not just a country club, but a place where, where, where we would build the house of God so that people far from God, it's the mission of this church, would become fully alive in Christ. I want people that don't know Jesus to, to enter into a relationship with Jesus and become fully alive. I want you that maybe knows Jesus to to, to grow in Jesus, to be fully alive in Christ. John 10 and 10 says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus, he came to give us life and life to the full. I believe we ought to have a full life as believers. I believe as we walk with God, we ought to experience that, that word life is zoe. 
in the Greek. It's vibrancy. It's, it's a pep in our step when we wake up in the morning. It doesn't mean that everything is good. It doesn't mean we've got it all together, but there's just something living on the inside of us that is life. It's Zoe life. It's just like, you know what? It is good to be alive. It's good to be, you know, walking today. It's good to be breathing today. It's just this vibrancy in your life. And that's what, that's what we want for you. And that's what we want for this city. May we never forget that this isn't just a gathering for us, but the minute it just becomes about us, I think is the minute, the minute a church starts dying. See, a church wasn't always just supposed to be about you, but it's those that are not yet a part of this that are far from God that need to know him. And that vision can sometimes leak. And so as we enter into this season over the next few weeks, we just want to talk about that. And we want to be builders of the vision. What is the vision? Well, we're building the house of God together. I love what the book of Ephesians says. It says this in Ephesians chapter two. It says that God is building a home. He's building a home and he's using what? All of us. I don't know if you've ever thought about the local church that way, but it's, it's a home that God is building and he's using all of us, irrespective of how you got here. Some of you were invited. Some of you drove by. Some of you saw us on social media. No matter how you got here, no matter how you entered into a relationship with God, he's using you in what he is building. He is building the church, but he's using you to be a part of it. I think that's so glorious. He once used the apostles and the prophets as the foundation. How amazing is that? That this whole thing started because he breathed life into people and the apostles and the prophets laid a, just a glorious foundation. I'm so thankful that they didn't give up. I'm so thankful they were beaten and bruised. And I'm so thankful that, you know, they were shipwrecked and imprisoned and beheaded to lay this glorious foundation of the local church. And for generations, one generation has commended another generation and has passed on this glorious truth. He used the apostles and the prophets, but now the Bible says he's using you. I think one of the greatest things that you can be awakened to in your life is for you to know that God is building his church, but he's not doing it without you. He wants to do it with you. How's he doing it? Well, he's fitting us together brick by brick, stone by stone. He uses this building analogy, how we're all bricks, we're all stones and brick by brick, each of us having our own, you know, unique design, but our own unique position in the house of God, where Jesus is the cornerstone holding us all together. He is the glue. He is the mortar that is putting you and you and you on top of each other and building something beautiful. He holds all the parts together. And I don't know about you, but as we're 11 months old now as a church, I I see it taking shape. I see what God is building as I, as I come in here week after week and I look at your eyes and I see moments like last week where people were so touched by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. I see it taking shape. The Ephesians said we see it taking shape day after day for generations. The, the people of God, they have saw this thing taking shape day after day, a holy temple 
being built by God, all of us being built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. What is vision builders about? Well, God is building a home and he's using all of us. Did you know that God wants to use you? You weren't made to just exist. You weren't made to just survive. No matter what your personality is, no matter what your gift set is. That once you say yes to Jesus, you place your faith in him. You get to join the mission of God using you to make a difference in this world. And with all my heart, I want God to use you. With all my heart, I want God to use me. In fact, I love what David said. See, if you look in, in the Bible, in the book of First Chronicles, there was a church that had been meeting for uh, a whole season in a portable fashion, kind of like us, this portable church. And it became time to take the portable church, the tent, and, and build a building for it, establish a permanent home where God could dwell. And as David was speaking into this, and he was thinking about his son Solomon, who would actually be the one to build this glorious temple, David looked out at the people, and he kind of had the second fundraising uh, dinner in the Bible. The first one was Moses in the book of Exodus, and then David is the second one. And he looks out at the people, and he, he knows what God wants to do through him, and he knows that God is using him to do great things. And he, he looks at him, and he says, with all my heart, I want to build the temple of God. You know, if there's one thing that I'd love to be said of our church as we enter into the season, vision builders, it would be this, that with all your heart, it's a part of this church. You don't want to build life point. You don't want to build our reputation. You don't want to make our name great, but you just want to build the house of God. That there'd be something in you that says with all my heart. I mean, I could stop the message right there. With all my heart, I want to build the house of God. You know, it takes so many things to build the house of God. It takes, it takes people. I think great things aren't built on just the talents of a few, but it's built on the sacrifice of everyone believing in that. We see that over and over as David stood up in this crowd. I don't have time to go through it all because I promised I wouldn't bring a 50-minute sermon this week, like last week, but last week was a little more of a, a lecture. I felt like I had to give it. Today's going to be 30 minutes, everybody. Get back in our rhythm. But, but as you look in this scripture, you, you, you see that it took all kinds of people to build the house of God. And so it's built with people, but it's, it's built on a lot of things. And, and one of the things that we see all throughout scripture that the house of God is built on, it's about sacrifice. It's built on giving, giving of ourselves, giving of our time, giving of our talent, giving of our treasures. I don't know if you knew that when you signed up to, to follow Jesus, he would actually ask something of you. He would ask your, you to do the same thing that, that Jesus did, and that's give of yourself selflessly. I can't imagine what God felt when he gave his one and only son for us, the whole book. The whole Bible, it's really about sacrifice. It's about giving. It's a love story on how God loved us so much that he would give us so much. 
And so one of the key uh, factors, maybe the best way to say it, would be sacrifice and giving when it comes to building the house of God. You know, David went on to say this. He said, with all my heart, I want to build the house of God. So I'm giving of my personal treasures. You know, I think the reason why he would say I'm giving of my personal treasures really goes back to this first part. He said, I want to build the house of my God. See, with David, building the house of God wasn't just building the church. It was building the house of my God. It was personal with David. He had a personal walk with God. He had a personal investment in this. He said, this is, this is my God. And he's done so much that I want to build the house of God. So David looked up and he said, hey, I'm going to give out of my personal treasure, gold and silver. I'm so dedicated to building a permanent home for, 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 for the presence of God that I would give of myself. He said, I'm adding to them every uh, uh, treasures of gold and silver for it. And I'm adding to them everything else I provided for the holy temple. They actually say that this was one of the largest offerings, if you were to put it into per today's perspective, that has ever been given out of anyone. David stood up and he said, I'm not going to ask you just to give, but I'm going to give myself. He gave $400 million to build the temple. That's with all my heart kind of giving. And he said, I just want to build the temple with all my heart. David specifically and sacrificially said, he's my God. And so I'm going to sacrifice. So he said, I'm giving him my personal treasures. And he looked at the people and it said this about the people. It said they were also happy. These people were happy when they saw what David was willing to give and what all the leaders is willing to give. And you know what? It said that they were willing to give as well. The leaders gave, uh, had given freely with their whole heart. They had given everything to the Lord and King David was filled with joy. I love that we not only see David when it comes to building the house of God, sacrificially giving from his whole heart, but we also see a group of people that said, I'm going to give with my whole heart. That, that, that it wouldn't just be David's heart that was in the house, but it would be everyone's heart that was in the house. I think that's a sign of a healthy church. A healthy church isn't just when the leader's heart's in the house. A healthy church is when those in the pews, these aren't even pews, movie theater style, amazing blue seating, that the people in the blue seating's hearts in the house as well. And so you may be catching on to this, but you might be thinking, are we talking about money? Ah, oh, this is my worst fear. You're new here today and you thought, you know, I've heard that's all the church talks about is money. And yes, we are talking about that today, bringing our heart to the house and investing in the kingdom of God because God is building something. And one of the ways he builds it is vision moves at the speed of generosity. Vision moves at the speed of sacrifice. The vision is advanced because people freely give of their whole heart to build the house of God. When you give each and every week, you're giving to build something. Hopefully that will long outlast us, that will long outlast our children and our children's children, but it would establish a stake in the city that would do amazing things. You know, you might be thinking, well, that's all the church I've heard ever talks about is giving. Well, you know, if we were really to teach on it the biblical way, it's probably all we should talk about at least two or three times more than we do or two or three more series more than we do. If you look in the Bible, the word believe, which is pretty huge, is used 272 times. The word pray, which I would say is pretty big, is used 371 times. 
The word love is used 714 times, but the word give is used 2,161 times. It's the verb of the Bible. It's, it's, it's the message of, of most of this book. It's, it's about a generous God who loved us so much that he gave. And I think God knew this was so important. You know, when Jesus approached a group of people and he was speaking about money, he said this about money in Matthew chapter six. He said, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. So if your heart's gonna be in the house and your heart's gonna be in building the house of God, guess what your heart is tied to? Your treasure. And it's the one thing that is so hard for so many people to, to let go of. But what I've seen as God blesses people's lives and they really step back and they think about the motivation of giving, it becomes a lot easier because they think God has done so much for me. It's the least that I can do. And, you know, I was thinking about the hundred different ways that I could approach uh, a talk on giving, which I don't think I've ever given one as a church in the last 10 or 11 months. And so I was thinking about all the ways that I, I, I could approach this topic. And what I want to do is I want to look at the words of Apostle Paul. I want to look at several passages. In First Timothy, he says this. And before I get to our key text, he says, command those that are rich in this present world. I don't know if you know this or not. You might not think you're rich, but as far as this present world goes and living in America, we are actually, we're rich. Not to be arrogant, nor put their hope in wealth. So you don't put your hope in, in just what you're building earthly, but you put your hope in so much more than that. It's not about putting your hope in 401ks or your hope in the stock market or your hope in your savings account. But it's not about putting hope in wealth, which is uncertain. How many of you guys know that's true? It's so uncertain. But put your hope in God who richly provides with us everything for our enjoyment. He goes on in the next passage and he says this. He says, and command people, command them to do good. Command them to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. So I actually have a responsibility as a pastor to command people. Now you get to choose whether or not the willingness is there. But I have a responsibility to command people to be generous, to be generous in what God has provided you and be willing to share. He goes on to say this, and in this way, you'll lay up treasures for yourself. This is not a heaven and hell treasures that you're laying up for yourself. This is, this is the, the treasures that you lay up for yourself in heaven on the other side. It's not a you have to. Jesus gave it all. You don't have to give anything to earn your salvation. Jesus gave it all. But he says, when you, when you live a generous life, you become the person that lays, lays up treasures in heaven for yourself as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of a life that is truly life. You know what this word is, Zoe. The same life that I talked about a while ago. That when you live a generous life, you actually experience vibrancy. That is why the happiest people on planet Earth, honestly, are givers. The happiest people, they did a study a few years ago, and it's not on the screen, but it was, it was Harvard, and they said this in the Wall Street journal a few years ago, they, they wrote an article that said that we are hardwired for giving, 
that whether you realize this or not, you are hardwired for giving. Many of us think, well, that, that can't be true, right? Darwin says it's survival of the fittest. But what they did as they began to study people that were giving is they realized there was a chemical released in the brain when people gave that actually made them feel good. And you know that to be true, that as you give, it, it feels good, right? There was a chemical. And so it's because God created us to be givers. We're never more like God than when we're generous. We serve a God that generously loved us and and as we grow closer to God, we too should become generous people. And so I want to give you five things real quickly that I think when it comes to giving, that should be your motivation. When it comes to giving, this is the, the place in which that I think you should give from. And I want to take these out of 2 Corinthians as Paul is addressing the church. When it comes to giving in two chapters, chapter 8 and chapter 9, five things that I see that I think are so impactful Number one is this. I think when you give, you should give joyfully. I think if you're going to give to the house of God, if you're going to give to, you know, social justice things, if you're going to give to anywhere or anything, if you're going to give to your kids or your spouse or your friends, you should give with a joyful heart. You should give joyfully. Even Jesus himself said this. It's way more blessed to give than to receive. It's such a blessing when we learn to become generous and, and, and be joyful in our giving. You know what I love about that passage of scripture when he says it's more blessed, blessed to give than to receive. You know what this word blessed in, in, in the Greek means? It means happy. It's just, it brings us happiness when we give, not just step back and receive. That's why I love this time of year. I love Christmas because something awakens in all of us where people are givers. I mean, you just drive around and you'll see people giving. This is the one time a year that I know at some point in the Starbucks drive through window, somebody is going to pay for my coffee. It's just going to happen, right? And then I in turn, hopefully because I'm so happy, I'm going to pay for the person behind me and keep it going. Let's all make a pack right now. If anyone pays for your coffee, you're going to keep it going, right? We're going to keep the train going in line. But it's the one time a year where things awaken in people where they're just happy to give. It is a season of giving. It's because that's how God initiated it, by giving his son Jesus. And so it doesn't surprise me that this is a season where so many of us are generous and the world is just naturally Generous, And so I love that about Christmas. I love being able to give gifts to other people and then to receive them. I love the look on my little boy's face when I give him a present. I love the look on my friend's face or a parent's face or, or somebody in the church where I'm able to share a blessing with them or share a gift with them. I love being able to just give around this time of year. And when you give, your motivation should be a place of joy. It should never be a have to. It should be something that you decide. In fact, that's what Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 7. He said, each one of you should give what you've decided in your heart. Giving is really about the heart. I mean, we've already read it 15 times in scriptures. It's a heart thing. It says you should determine in your heart what to give, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, not because you saw a sob story, not because the speaker was really good, not because you, you, know, you watched a video and somebody twisted your arm. No. You, you give because you've decided in your heart that the motivation of giving would be a heart thing where you said, my heart's in the house. My heart's to be generous. My heart is that I serve a generous God. And so I'm going to be generous 
in return. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. I think as you give this holiday season, the first mindset you should have when it comes to, be, to giving is to just give cheerfully. I think the second thing is this, that you would give selflessly. That you would give with no strings attached. That when you give, you would, you would give from a place of saying, this isn't, this isn't about me. I'll give of, of myself to the Lord because he's been so good. Second Corinthians verse number eight, verse number five says this, and they exceeded our expectations in this offering that, 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 that they gave in Corinthians and they gave of themselves first. I think when it comes to giving, that, that's the greatest place we can give from is, is a place of, of joyfulness, but a place of selflessness that says, this isn't about me, but I'll give of myself. I'll give of my time. I'll give of my talent. I'm so grateful that there's people in this church giving selflessly. You know, there are people in this church this morning that woke up selflessly and set up the house of God, set up this glorious temple. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that there are people right now giving selflessly to watch my son and your son and your daughters and kids back there. And it's not just a babysitting thing, but my son comes home every week and he's got a new scripture and he's got a song in his heart. I'm so thankful that people in our church give selflessly. This church wouldn't even exist without the dream team. This church wouldn't even exist without people saying, you know what? I'm so grateful that I'll just give of myself. It's one of the greatest, greatest ways to give that we'd give with a, with a joyful heart. I read it already, or I talked about it already. It's how God gave selflessly that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, what? would have everlasting life. See, all of us, whether we realize it or not, are impacted because of people's generosity. If you're in this room today, you've been impacted by a dream teamer that gave of themselves this morning. Odds are this week, you've been impacted by someone that gave selflessly of themselves. And so we should give from a place of motivation and joyfulness and selflessness, but then we should also give of, from a place of willingness. We should give because we want to. A minute ago it said, don't give reluctant or under compulsion, but determine in your heart. You give, you give willingly. Second Corinthians 8, 12, Paul looks at him and he says this. He says, for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. See, it's not about how much you give. It's about your willingness in what you give. See, some of you can give a dollar and some of you could give a million dollars today. But if I gave a million dollars, but I did it reluctantly, my heart wasn't there. It wasn't a willing gift. It was just a tax write-off. I don't want to give from that place. I want to give because God has done so much for me that it's the least I could do. My, my willingness is there. This is all I'll say today about tithing, and one day we'll do a message on tithing. But even when it comes to tithing, we should tithe because there is a willingness to do it. I get asked all the time, you know, isn't tithing an Old Testament thing? And, you know, we don't have to do that still. It's just Old Testament. And the truth is you don't. You're not obligated to do it. We are under a new covenant. Grace is here for, for us. 
But you have to understand that, that just because we're under the new covenant, just because we don't have to, that, that tithing for the believer isn't a have to. It's a get to. It's a willingness thing. We're just willing to do it because God's done so much for us. And it's also an understanding that Jesus didn't come to just do away from the law. He said you shouldn't kill or steal. And we don't do that either. And we're not walking around saying, you know what? I mean, Old Testament was like, thou shalt not kill. And thou shalt not steal. And thou shalt not commit adultery. It's, it's okay. Jesus said, I didn't come in Matthew 5. He said to abolish the law. What? I've come, I've come to fulfill them. And so when it comes even to tithing, it should be something that we give. We give willingly. We give from a place where we're like, you know what, God, this isn't something that I feel like you're twisting my arm to do. Man, if you're a giver and you're a tither and you just feel like it's like, oh, I have to. Oh, God's going to curse me if I don't. It's not a great place. It's not what God wants for you. He wants you to give joyfully. He wants you to give selflessly. He wants you to give willingly. For if the willingness is there, the gift is accepted. God accepts gifts from, from his kids that are just from a heart of gratitude. I think that's the next place you can give from, just a, a place of thankfulness. We just say, God, I'm just so thankful. Just so thankful. Psalms 116, 12 says this. What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? What then shall I return? First Chronicles 29, 14 says this. But who am I? Who am I? And who are your people that we should be able to give so generously? That we would be able to give this way. He says, well, everything comes from you and We've been given only what comes from your hand. It's this, this posture of just understanding that we can give because God's given to us first. It's in 2 Corinthians where Paul says he's the one that supplies seed to the sower. God has been so good. He woke you up and he gave you breath in your lungs today. And so we should give from a place of thankfulness. Lastly is this, we should give intentionally. We should give intentionally. So I think you should give with a cheerful heart. Should give from a place of just like it's not about me. You should give willingly. You should give thankfully. This is just, if you're going to be a giver, if your heart's going to be in building the house of God, this is how you should give. And the last is this, that you would just, you would give intentionally. That's why 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this. It says, everyone make up your own mind as to how much you should give. Don't let anyone force you to do it. You shouldn't give because I preached a message today on giving. You should give because you made up your mind. This isn't about me forcing you, twisting your arm. I never want to do that. I want the motivation of giving to be pure. Don't let anyone force you to give more than, than he really wants to. For cheerful givers are the one that God prizes. And so just five, five motivations when it comes to giving. Let me share just one more thing with you. And, and, and it's 1 Timothy 6.19. See, when we're generous intentionally, it, it actually impacts eternity. It says, by doing this, you're storing up. And I read this while ago, treasures for themselves, yes, in heaven. But the Living Bible says this, it is the only safe investment for eternity. 
See, when you give, you're investing beyond you. You're investing in a life that is going to get to spend an eternity with him. So as a church, we don't just want to ask you to give, but we want to be givers ourselves. So I've got some exciting things to share with you. And this should be really exciting. But as a church, we we want to give too. We want to have a posture of giving in, in our own lives and in the life of this church. And my goal is everything that you give to build the house of God, we steward well. And what comes in here is a funnel for eternity that we're building the house of God. One of the organizations or one of the venues that have impacted us so much as a church this year is Kentucky Country Day School. This building has been a huge blessing to us. The drama department has been a huge blessing to us. The music department here has been a huge blessing to us. And so we reached out to them. We just said, is there any needs you have? They said, yeah, there's a few things we need. And so this week we wrote a check for $1,917 to just some needs. You guys did that. There's a ministry in town here called Exodus Ministries. and They work with children and they work um, just helping people get established and helping give back to our community. And, you know, one of the things is, as you're in the grind and as you're giving and as you're pouring out as a staff, and I know this from leading a church, sometimes you can get empty yourself and it can be really hard. You know, one of the things that I'm passionate about is, is refreshing those that are refreshing other people. So we reached out to the director of Exodus Ministries and just said, hey, what, what do you need? He said, you know what? My family and I, we've been busting our tails during COVID and we could really use a vacation. I said, okay, where do you want to go? He said, you know what? We, we've always dreamed about taking our kids to um, Great Wolf Lodge, do something. He said, okay, we want to provide that for you. And so this week we gave $2,000 to the director of Exodus Ministries just to, to take his family on a vacation to refresh themselves himself so that he can pour out and continue pouring out. Feed the city. They do a ton of work in our community helping homeless. And, you know, our, our goal as a church has never been to reinvent the wheel. We're not going to open a food pantry, but there are food pantries in the city. So let's support the food pantries. Yeah. Let's support those that are doing it, that know how to do it, that have, you know, I, I don't have time to figure out how to be a food pantry. I, I've got a, my, my, my focus is clear. I'm here for lost people. I'm here to build the house of God, but that doesn't mean we should neglect the poor. That doesn't mean we should neglect those that need food on the table. And so we reached out and they said, you know what? One of the most difficult things in our facility is in our kitchen where we have all these supplies and everything that needs to you know, take place to be able to feed the homeless. The storage in this small space is, is really bad. And so we, we could use some things just to help organize it all and have some more storage. We said, okay, we got that. So we gave them $2,500 this week just to, to do some storage. Reached out to another organization in South Louisville and they are called Hope Collaborative and they work with refugees and immigrants and children yeah. Yeah. In, in, that are just in need. And so one of the big things they do is J, JCPS has asked them to 
to do these tutoring programs for kids in the area and they've just been wildly successful but they haven't had enough space and so they needed to create more space and so they were asked to create another computer lab. Well, part of creating a computer lab is having a bunch of computers to do it. So we just reached out and said, what would it take to do that? And they said, hey, we need about 10 Chromebooks that are JCPS approved. And we said, okay, we've got that. We want to help tutor more kids in, in Louisville, more immigrants. And so yeah, come on. we wrote them a check, $3,190. Yeah. Just Chromebooks are going to be going their way. We just, you guys are a part of this, the Hope Bus. The Hope Bus is a bus. You've probably seen it around town. They're going all over the area feeding people. They're, they're, they're making sure that people can put food on their table. And we were talking to them and reached out to them. And they said, hey, you know, holidays like Thanksgiving, it can wipe us out. And we can have a lot of stock. And so we need more supply. We need to be able to purchase more food. And said, we'd love to help out with that. We're sending you money. And so $2,500 to the Hope Bus where they can pick up the phone and call in some more food. So a child, a family member, somebody had food this week Sunrise Children Home working with foster kids in our area we just wanted to bless them we sent them a thousand dollars this week just to bless some some foster kids this Christmas very passionate about starting churches and investing in the local church and one of the ministries art the Association of Related Churches when we launched they gave us fifty thousand dollars $50,000 to launch this church and forever we'll sow back into them. Forever we'll be grateful for that because we would have never been able to start this church without huge financial investments like that. So this week we sent them $1,000 and just said, I know it's not much, but here you go. We're, we're pouring back into it. We're, we're pouring back into Vapor Ministries. They do global missions throughout Haiti and Africa and those that are less fortunate in places that we'll never be able to go. And a few months ago, we gave them $3,500. We sent them another gift this week of another $3,500. Just say, keep making a difference in Haiti. Keep making a difference in Africa. A21, sex trafficking. They're helping people get out of the sex industry or sex trafficking industry and just, just find freedom and all of that stuff. And so we sent A21 a check for $1,000 dollars this yeah, week on. the dream center in la they do amazing work with homelessness we sent them fifteen hundred dollars this week just said hey keep doing what you're doing this is your giving i hope this puts a smile on your face i hope that you say you know what you stewarded it well we want to make a difference in what god is doing here we want to do something that will outlast us storing up treasures here, but we're storing up treasures for eternity. So this week as a church, we gave $20,107.84. We're a church of just a few hundred people. You give $20,000 this yeah, week come on. to city and to our nation and across the globe. Man, I pray for a day where this $20,000 becomes $20 million. We'd have such a heart of generosity in our church. God would do so much through us because we have a people that are just hungry to build the house of God. This year as a church, we've given $46,000. 45, I rounded up, sorry, preacher man. $45,658.54. And we're not done yet. And so it's like, are you preaching on giving because you need something? No. All the bills are paid. Didn't know how we were going to do it. We're in a portable facility. It costs $120,000 to be in a space like this every year. Bills have been paid. 
We don't need it. Your heart's in the house. You've been building it. But I got vision. I got vision like David to not have a portable church. I got vision for us to have a home one day. It's going to take about $300,000 just to outfit a storefront if we wanted to lease something. It's about $15 million to build a building. I got vision for it. I got vision for a ministry center in this city where we can do more midweek things and have a space for youth and training and discipleship classes and all that. I got vision for it. But the vision's going to continue to move at the speed of generosity. So I'm just asking that as you're a part of this church, I'm not going to twist your arm. Next week, we're going to going to give in Vision Builders. Two ways you can give this year. Number one, you can give as we close out the year in Vision Builders. It's a one time a year where we bring above and beyond the tithe just sacrificially our best to the house of God. And what we're saying is we're just saying with all my heart, with all my heart, I want to I wanna build the house of God. And so next week, I just want you to come prepared to to bring that gift and it's it, 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 it's something we've been telling you for a month about why? because we didn't want to twist your arm we want you to determine in your own heart how you would come and build the house of God but there's so much more we're dreaming of so many more people to reach so many more broken people in the city so many people that need food so many women that need to be pulled out of sex trade. so many kids in Africa and Haiti and different things that we can keep giving to but we've got to have our heart in the house and if your heart's in the house I promise you God is building something great and all he's asking us is to do this with willingness and to do this with a glad heart and to do this out of a place of thanksgiving and as we do it God will build his house and he's using us all and I was reluctant to add this because I, I never want to, to make it about this but I will say this you cannot outgive God it's a promise in the Bible as you give you cannot outgive God you don't give to get remember this 1 Corinthians 9 16 whoever gives generously will reap generously whoever so sparingly though guess what you'll reap sparingly you want to be stingy you'll live a stingy life it just is it's the bible way you want to live a generous life you want to live a, a, a life where you reap generously then so generously and again you don't give to give it's never why we give but god's promises are true you cannot outgive thanks for listening to the life point louisville podcast If you would like to partner with us in spreading the good news of Jesus, you can give by visiting lifepointlou.org forward slash give or text LCLOU to 77977. Thanks so much. We hope you have an incredible week.